I'm going to be honest with you, I felt like I, uh, in my day, uh, you know, I, I've seen where they were able to take old videos and old music and like I, one of my favorite is uh, when they took Natalie Cole and Nat King Cole and put them together, even though he had already passed or Elvis and, you know, someone else. This morning I felt like we got to hear Keith Green and Allison Krauss put together. And I'm going to tell you, that's the highest of praise. Uh, it's the only song I ever learned on the piano. And so it's very near and dear to my heart. But mostly and mainly because it's still about the blood. It's all about that wonderful, terrible, glorious fountain the fountain that pours from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning, I want you to turn with me to Mark 16. And though it's not the holiday Easter, for believers, every day is Easter. Every day. Every day is Resurrection Day. Jesus will never die again. He is not dead will not die as he died once for all. And in that, today, we rejoice. Today is my beautiful bride's birthday. It's a bunch of birthdays around here. But uh, this past week, it was one of the glorious years of birthdays where you have to renew your driver's license. I had to do it back in October. She had to do it this week. And so I rode with her. And I said, you know, it's way out there, and we'll just, well, I'll just ride with you. So we rode out there. Uh, as you begin to approach, you begin to see all these fences. And some of you worked there and retired from that area. But you see all the fences, and then you keep going up, and you start seeing all the buildings and you see all the vans and then you get up top and you see that giant building on the right, the Reedsville State Penitentiary. I can remember as a child hearing about Reedsville. I mean, that was, that was the big house. That's the bad place. And after working in minimum security for Cobb County for many years, there's uh, a poignancy to it. Because the guys that I would see day in, day out were 12-monthers, 36-monthers. Those were guys that were going to come in, do a year, get out. But every time, without fail, when I top that hill and I look at that building, it sends shivers down my spine. Because every, every day of my working life, when I worked there in... Cobb County, I would go in, hit the button, I'd go in, they'd buzz me in, and I would take my prisoners, I did whatever, and every day around four o'clock, I would stand there, and I'll never forget, and it rings in my head, hearing that door slam behind me. 
and thinking, I sure am glad I'm out here. But every time I go up to Reedsville, I think there are people in there that have been there almost my entire life. Some probably as long as I've been living. Now, it's a beautiful area. I preached revival at Elza a couple years ago and just riding out through there and deer in the afternoon, you ride by there and beautiful farmland and lakes and, you know, you've got the creek or river it runs through down there, wildlife everywhere. They farm out there. It's just, it, it could be a beautiful place except for all the concertina wire and the chain link and things that separate those prisoners from the free world. Today I want to speak to you from my heart on separated from the Savior. You see, some of us are going through life and we think we're free. We hear this incessantly. I have rights. I, I'm going to do this. I don't care what anybody else thinks. But I'm telling you, too many of us are in prison, separated from the Savior by the things we think have set us free. I'm free to do this. I'm free to do that. I'm free. Yes, you are. But in doing so, you have placed yourself in the prison of sin. Mark chapter 16. It's like, just think of it. We're, we're just preaching on the deck of an aircraft carrier and they're firing one up, fixing to take off. And, you know, uh, and it'll be all right. Mark 16, 1. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Were they anointing the live Jesus? No. They had come to keep his body from stinking. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? Separated from the Savior. Reedsville Penitentiary separates those from freedom. I want you to understand when these two Marys came and Salome, they felt separated from their loved one. They felt completely disconnected by the ultimate separation. We've all been through it at some point in time where we've went to the funeral home, where we have reached to pick up a phone to call someone who's not there anymore. And that, that sense of ultimate separation, let me tell you, in Christ, when we die, there is no separation. We do not pray to our family members. We do not pray through our family members. But those who have gone to be with the Lord, who were born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, and you are, let me tell you, there is no separation. One day, we're going to see them again. These ladies didn't get that at the moment. Their hearts were heavy. And I understand that. They were overwhelmed with grief. And they thought their biggest problem was, Who's going to roll that huge stone from the door? I want you to understand. They expected a stone of separation. Instead, they found it 
rolled away. The truth, and it's been said many times, the stone was not rolled away so that Jesus could get out, but that the world could get in. You see, we perceive things, we allow things to separate us from Jesus Christ. And so I want to go through some things that separate us, just some random things that I take from Scripture, things that I hope is very applicable to our lives today. Because I don't know about you, I allow things to separate me from fellowship. I allow my attitudes, I allow uh, my, my indignation, I allow my busyness of life and my thought processes to separate me from the Savior. Sometimes it was not, I don't think, quite as much maybe that Jesus needed to get in the wilderness but that he needed his disciples to come along with him so that they wouldn't hear anything else and they would just have a quiet moment with him. When's the last time you turned that stinking phone off? When is the last time you turned the TV off? When's the last time you just got real still with Jesus? For many of us, it's been too long. This was a quiet, early, for them mournful, but beautiful morning. Sunday morning, first day of the week. What we now know because of Jesus Christ separating Old Testament from New Testament, Sabbath from the Lord's day. And they came. But they found the stone rolled away. And so they asked, what in the world, what's going on? When they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. Listen, there needs to be a self-evaluation in our life before we go any further. What is separating us from Jesus? Is that our relationships? Are we hanging around the wrong people? Is it attitudes? Have we allowed something to fester and manifest itself through ego, through pride, through envy, through grudgery? Is it that we have developed A passion for things that take precedence over Jesus Christ. Have we put other things in the place that only Jesus can sit? First of all, our position. They came, it says in verse 1, to the tomb to anoint a dead body. You see, their position was spiritually weak. One had known Jesus all his life. Others had seen him do great miracles in her life. They had walked alone and saw him being touched just on the hem of the garment and it healing people. They saw him raise people from the dead, heal the lame, restore sight to the blind. They saw it. They heard him say, destroy this temple and I will rebuild it. Not speaking of the earthly temple, but his body. They heard him tell them, I must go to Jerusalem. They heard it all. They had read the Old Testament. They saw the word of God manifested, logos, in the person of Jesus Christ. Yet in their spiritual weakness, they had become separated from who Jesus really was. Now I want to... I want to make this point. 
lest some of us feel spiritually superior. I would venture to say, the Bible does not make it vividly clear, but I believe it's the truth. There was not one solitary human being on the face of the earth that Sunday morning that they thought they would find Jesus alive. Not one. Not one. The Bible does not record any. And listen, if there was going to be anybody, look, all the disciples except for John left him at the cross, these ladies stayed there. These were the ones who stuck it out to the very bitter end. They're the ones who did nursery every Sunday. They were the ones who were the first to volunteer for the worst class in vacation Bible school. They were the ones who's there on work day. They're the ones who provide food every time there's a funeral. These were the faithful. And yet they expected a dead Jesus. Church, we all become spiritually weak. The Apostle Paul said, I'm weak. I'm weak. But Jesus said, yes, but when you are at your weakness, then am I strong? And so we need to understand, we put ourselves in positions where we separate ourselves. We we separate ourselves in this spiritual weakness, but then too many of us, especially in an age where we have to have a march for science, we feel intellectually superior, and in so we become doctrinally wrong. You say, I know what the Bible says, but I've heard them say that. Look, can I go on and tell you, you just put a caveat and says, I'm fixing to utter something really stupid. I'm fixing to show my ignorance. The moment you say, I know what the Bible says, but I'm going to tell you something. The Bible has stood true because it is the living, breathing Word of God. It is Jesus. It's not the recorded word. It is the word. There's a difference. I've told you the story of standing, or actually I was sitting. I was sitting about, about where Miss Mary's sitting in the second row back in this huge uh, auditorium, the Civic Center in Orlando, Florida at the 2000 Southern Baptist Convention. And at this convention, Deborah's pastor, who's with the Lord, Adrian Rogers, chaired a committee on revising the Baptist faith and message. It was being updated. Can you imagine that? A bunch of Baptists updating something? And some of the greatest living minds of the time, believers like Nelson Price and others, were seated on this committee. And they began to address the different topics, and they read through it. And when they came to Scripture, they all thought the biggest fight was going to be about family and the roles of a husband and wife. But that's not where the big fight was. Because, listen, that's trivial. If you can tear down the main pillar of faith, then you've tore it all down. And so the fight was over the Word of God. And whether it was the actual Word of God 
the living, breathing, as I said, logos, the, the, the very epitome, which is Jesus Christ or something less. And sitting there, listening to the questions and the debate and the answers being given from the floor, I'll never forget this redheaded dude, I believe from Oklahoma, got up and he said, uh, Mr. President, uh, I am so-and-so messenger from so-and-so church from the great state of Oklahoma, blah, blah, blah. He said, and I want to speak to the point of this point on the Bible. And he paused what orators would call a pregnant pause, one that draws attention, and he stopped for effect. And you know what an actor is, don't you? Someone who's living a lie. And I, I don't mean that in, a, in the fullest of negativity, but it's someone who is doing that which is not reality. And he was a really good actor. And he got up and he said, I'm speaking this point, and he paused. And looking around at the whole crowd, he said, come on, guys. After all, it's just a book. I thought he'd be lynched. I really did. And rightfully so. I was going to hold their coats. But this was not happening in New York City. This was not happening in San Francisco or at Little Five Points in Atlanta. This was happening on the floor of the Southern Baptist Convention. Church, we have become doctrinally wrong in so many cases. Where we have adopted things that are worldly, the Bible tells us in Matthew that we have accepted as truth that which is tradition. I love the little tongue-in-cheek jokes about the Apostle Paul using the King James Bible or Jesus wearing a three-piece suit. I, I get a kick out of those. Because some people become so dogmatic in things. Listen, you may believe that when it comes to the end of this age, you believe Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. He's your Lord and Savior. You believe in the devil and there's a heaven and there's a hell. And when it all comes to a screeching halt, it's all going to be gathered up in one big judgment. And the saved are going to go to heaven and the lost are going to hell. There's some truth to that. I think it's a little more in-depth than that. I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture theory. I believe in a premillennial reign. I believe in all these aspects. I believe there's a white throne judgment, a judgment seat of Christ. But listen, that's not something to argue about. Something to stand on, though, is when we start diminishing the virgin birth. The vicarious death of Jesus Christ. The literal burial and resurrection of a living Savior. The Word of God that translates us from death unto life. I went in Miss Michelle's Sunday school class this morning. And I wonder if I could have done the same thing in adult classes. Because, you know, we, we, we think, oh, we just need to help him kids. We, we got it handled. I went in there and she started, she said, we, you want to hear us recite the Old Testament books of the Bible? Sure. 
They sung it through. Man, I love hearing that stuff. I love hearing those things come from children. Then she said, you want to hear them quote verses? I said, yeah. And this is what she did. She had pointed a kid and say, A. A, they would always sin and come short of the glory of God. B, you know, and they went on down. C, testing all your cares on him for he cares for you. D, E, F, G, H, I, J. Worked on K today, right? Right? And they did it. They didn't hesitate. They had it. They were, I wonder how many of our adult classes can do that. If we believe what we say we believe, then we ought to be able to. How are you going to tell somebody who Jesus is and you can't tell them his word? We become doctrinally wrong. These ladies did not believe in the fullness. Listen, what did, what did Jesus tell them outside the tomb of Lazarus? I know, Jesus, I know. Listen, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Yeah, but he'll live again. Oh, I know he'll live again in the resurrection. What did Jesus say? I am the resurrection and the life. Lazarus, come forward. And he did that to prove the power of life that is in him. Have you read the fine print? When Jesus died, the graves opened, people got up. In his death, people lived. As a picture, a sign, a type in the fact that in Jesus' death, we die to sin. But in the newness of life, when we are born again by his precious blood, we are alive forevermore. Can I tell you, I became eternally alive in 1972. This old body will die one day. But I'm not going to be dead. These ladies were doctrinally wrong. They thought, well, it's over. It's done. We had a good run. We hear about a post-Christian era. And based on its definition, yes, that's where we're living. But church, we're not in a post-Christ era. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's still breathing. He's still reigning from above. Church, our position has placed us in a terrible, precarious position of being separated. You say, yeah, but my mama raised me this way. My daddy, Can I break the news to you? Your mom and daddy wasn't always right. They needed Jesus just like you do. We're not always right. I know some of you say, yeah, but you don't know my mama. No, but I know mine. And I still, and I don't ever want to break it to you, so don't tell anybody. When people post about, hey, I've got the greatest mama in the world, Steph, don't tell them, but I do. Now, theirs is probably two or three, but I got the best. Listen, but my mother has failed the grace of God. She needed Jesus. And she had a mom and daddy who needed Jesus. And they found Jesus. He found them, rather. And my mother was found by Jesus. Jesus came and displayed his love to them. They trusted in him as their Lord and Savior. And I was raised 
But it wasn't just my mom and dad. It was the preacher. It was the Sunday school teacher. It was the deacons. It was the neighbors. It was the people in my church who displayed the grace of God. Listen, we must be doctrinally right or we'll be separated and be wrong. Separated from the Savior by prophet, Judas. I'll not take the time to read in Matthew 26, but listen. When we spend all our time either working for it, worried about it, or consumed by the thought of it, that's when it becomes the love of money. Money's never sent anybody to hell. But the love of money has kept many from Jesus. Judas Iscariot was the most qualified. Listen, if you had his resume, that's the guy out of the 12 you'd have called as your pastor. And in essence, you have. Because I have failed. I have denied. I have betrayed. But the love of God restrains me. The grace of God saves me. The church Judas got his eyes on a quick prophet. And some of us are consumed about trying to turn a dollar. Can I tell you, for many years in construction... I chased that dollar. Man, I'd have to go and bid jobs and work in the worst weather. I mean, every time. I know Ethan gets tired of it. But when it's 98 degrees and there's not a breeze blowing and the sun's beating down like a sauna and I see somebody out roofing, I pull over and I said, look at that. That's what I did. Don't do it. When it's 34 degrees, drizzling rain, and it's just warm enough it won't freeze, but it's cold enough to send you into full-blown hypothermia, I pull over, and I show them out there breaking the bands on the framing package. I said, see that? I did that. Don't do that. Get an education. Do the things that it takes. Don't, don't, don't put yourself in that position. And listen, in doing so, we'd have to work when it was miserable. We would have to work when it was unpleasant. I told Becky this other day. I can remember many days going to bed thinking, please, God, let something change. Send the rapture. If you ever want to hear somebody pray that the Lord comes back, listen to a construction worker that's working in the most miserable situations every time they go to bed. It's much like a kid that hadn't prepared for their final. And the only hope is that Jesus comes back. I can remember having to do that to try to get by. And I can remember working extra. I can remember going to work at the county, get off at 4 o'clock or work through lunch, get off at 3, 3.30 so we could go to a side job. And we'd try to pick up side jobs and we'd do construction. And I'll never forget, I got one big side job. Go in, there was a couple who just got married and they wanted me to completely remodel the house. And so I went in, redid the cabinets, put in new interior doors, put in new trim, put in this big fancy new uh, hardwood front door. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Made a good bit of money. Thought, man, this is great. And I'll never forget finishing that job, getting the check, and just a few days later, my fishing partner was going, and he said, hey, I got, I got a husband-wife tournament Saturday, can I borrow your truck? My truck's messed up. Can I borrow your truck? Sure, you can borrow my truck. 
Becky, what, 4.30 in the morning? My phone rings. Hey, think your truck just blew up. It cost within $10 of what I'd made on that whole job. And God just whispered in my ear, if you're looking for money to get ahead or to make ends meet, it's not going to happen. But when you depend on me, everything will be all right. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying don't work hard. I'm not just sitting, I'm not saying sit back and wait. But listen, when we get our eyes on profit, 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 it's just like churches. Man, I'm going to tell you, I was thrilled to death the way our deacons responded, the way our church responded. We've got that bus. Now we're going to get it lettered. We're going to use it for the honor and glory of the Lord. Listen, churches were never called to be banks. We sh- Listen, churches shouldn't have CDs stored up, money piled up, ready. Listen, we ought to be spending it on missions. We ought to be spending it on serving. We ought to be spending it on bringing glory to his name. Profit will separate you. But what profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What profit is there in that? There isn't. Many have tried their best to take it with them. Pharaohs were buried with all the adornments. We see it in museums. But they're dead nonetheless. It didn't go with them. In church, all that's done here, all that's accumulated will mean nothing apart from that which brought honor and glory to his name. Because moths corrupt. Rust causes things to fail. Thieves break through and steal. Have you ever noticed you can't have nothing I mean, really, you can't have nothing. You buy a new car, you can park it seven spaces away, and somebody's going to let a buggy go across and hit it in the side. Right? I mean, you can't have nothing. You can't. People don't care. People don't care. Church, I, I need you to understand, when we think we can amass and we can attain, when we can reach that pinnacle of profit, the whole world will come crashing down. Did y'all see where Joni died? Aaron Moran from Happy Days. Hey, for you younger folks, there was this show back in the day. It was called Happy Days. And there was this girl named Joni, and Joni loved Chachi. She died this week, this weekend. She was only 56 years old. Was he? Yeah, but she didn't get shot. She just died. And here's the thing. She wasn't the president either. She was broke and had been kicked out of the trailer she was sharing. She was in complete squalor. She'd went from the pinnacle of Hollywood fame to the gutter of society. Prophet means nothing apart from Jesus. Amen? What separates us from the Savior? What about pride? Matthew 26, verse 33 and 34. Listen, listen to the words of Peter. Jesus said, 
Verily I say unto you that this night before the cock crows, you will deny me. Well, why did Jesus tell him that? Because in verse 33, Peter said, Hey, though all men shall be offended because of you, I won't. I'll never be offended. Some of us are walking around like banny roosters. Look at me, look at me. We got a Jesus t-shirts on. Got us a Jesus bumper. Maybe we even got us a fish decal on the back. And like my house, we've got, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Written on the wall. We got a Bible on every table. We're in good shape, but we become prideful in it. Hey, I've attained. I, 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 man, God must be glad to have me. That's the way Peter felt. Peter said, though they all betray you, I won't. You know that's why Baptist preachers like fried chicken so much, right? Because ever since that one told on Peter, they've been trying to kill them all ever since. Now I admit, that's funny. Peter was prideful. Peter was arrogant. Peter went away sorrowful because he knew those words. You ever choked on your own words? There is nothing worse. That's why I've learned the older I get, I don't, I don't talk trash. I just don't. I, I mean, because, come on. Let, let's, be, let's be real honest. Nobody wins every time. And I've come to the realization that I hate losing worse than I like winning. You know, I mean, me and you Georgia Tech, Georgia fans, we, we can't be too awful prideful, you know. At least y'all win recruiting every year. I, hey, but that's more than we do. My, my daughter went to G-Day yesterday. I'm still not, I'm, I'm still I'm going to try to talk to her next week or two. She actually had the gall and the audacity to text that. I said, do you not know this stuff never disappears? It somehow has, has polluted my phone. And I, I texted her back. I said, I just wrote you out of the wheel. And she wrote back, no, don't do that. I'm going to holler, go jackets. I said, okay, we're good. But you know what? After a couple of years, we don't even remember. You know, they're going to play again. It's going to happen again. The Chicago Cubs actually won the World Series. Think, can't y'all, it's hard to wait until the next one, what, 108 years? Do y'all remember what it felt like in the last minute if you like Atlanta Falcons football? I didn't even like looking at the jokes about the road being the next worst collapse to the Atlanta fight. It still made me sick. I don't like, so I don't talk trash, but Peter talked trash. Peter let his mouth overload his brain. He was always, look at me, look at me. What am I? I'm the toughest. I got the biggest sword. I got the most energy. And he was the quickest to deny. 
how quick we forget from Sunday to Monday. That's why I'm preaching this today, a Sunday removed from the holiday, because we need to remember every day in a believer's life is Easter. Every day is Resurrection Day. Every day we need to keep our relationship by not allowing things to separate us from the Savior. It was profit. It was pride. It was power. The religious Jews saw Jesus as a threat. Sometimes we think, oh, if I start the Sunday school, if I join a church, if I do something, then they're going to expect something out of me. And I, I have too much to do. I, I don't want it to threaten. If I surrender to his lordship, then I can't do what I want. I'm going to tell you, the only thing you've got to give up to follow Jesus is sin. That's all you've got to do to give it, to give up. Give sin up, and all it's going to do is kill you. But to him, he brings life. And those who have that life have it more abundantly. Church, they were more worried about their power base. They saw Jesus as a threat. You know, for Baptists, we see Jesus sometimes as a threat to our tradition. I bet you wouldn't find three hymn books if you look around here. Well, I wasn't the way I was raised. Does that mean I can't worship? No, listen, that was wonderful this morning. Oh, my goodness. How how worshipful was that? I've seen churches split over screens. How absolutely insane is that? I've seen them split over chairs and pews. My good friend Mark Merritt goes somewhere every week to deal with those problems. And what? Most of it, tradition, power. This group wants to do this. This group wants to do that. This threatens this. We've never done it that way before. We've always done it this way. Well, I got news for you. When Jesus came, boy, it really threw a wrench in the religious crowd. Because he didn't like it. And they wasn't doing it right. They had so removed themselves to what Scripture taught. If your power's being threatened, it's time to lay it at the foot of the cross and realize the only power you have is Jesus. And politics. Well, hadn't it got nasty in this country? But it didn't start in the last 94 days. Church, it was going on 2,000 years ago. Pilate allowed Jesus to go to the cross because he was playing politics. He wanted to please the Jewish crowd. He wanted to please the Roman authorities. He wanted to continue in his position of comfort, of rule, of authority, because there's a lot of perks that go with it. What are you selling your soul for? What are you selling your soul for? I'm going to tell you something that breaks my heart. There are parents selling their kids' soul every year to ball. Every year. And we're teaching them that it's all right to go to church as long as there's something not more important. It's not just ball. It's recreation. It's vacation. It's the lake. It's all these other things. Church. When did it become okay to teach the world that we're Christians unless something else gets in the way, and Jesus becomes inconvenient. I don't know about you, but sometimes 
The truth sets me free, but it's a painful release. You hear what I'm saying? Sometimes I'll be flipping and I'm, I'm rejoicing. Well, I'm hallelujah, that's for me. And then I flip over and I read something and God pierces my heart and I have to stop. I have to deal with my own self, my, my ego, my, who I am. And I have to lay bare because I, I, I'm naked before God anyway. God knows all my secrets. Listen, if you think you're going to hide from God, understand this. God knows everywhere because he made the hiding places. Unlike the ignorant Bill Nye, God created. God created it all. You can't hide from God. Church, politics. They say two things never talk about. If you care about your relationship with someone, don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion. Well, I got news for you. There are right politics. You realize what politics is all about, right? Politics is all about who you know. Is that not right? Politics is all about who you know. Isn't that how you're getting to heaven? Politics of heaven is all about knowing Jesus. Right? There's a right politics, a wrong politics. We see a lot of wrong politics. Pilate displayed it, and it separated him from the Son of God standing before him. You remember when he asked this question? The world claims they're looking for it. Secular talking heads in our liberal colleges are saying they, they're open to truth. They're looking for truth. But when truth stares them in the face, they do the same thing Pilate did. They turn and they walk away. Anything and anybody that teaches you all roads lead to the same place if you're just sincere. Ask them if that's true. And they will say adamantly, yes, absolutely. Absolutely, that, that through all the world religions, if you're just really sincere and you care, say, well, does that mean that all roads lead to the same place? That if I get on I-75, I-16, 85, 20, I can all go to the same place. You know what? You can get on 16 go to Atlanta. You can get on 75 go to Atlanta. You can get on 85 and go to Atlanta. You get on 285, you're not going to Atlanta. You're going to be an old 80s pitcher from the Braves that's just going to keep going in circles. Pasquale Perez, I-285. And right now, if you're coming south, you're not going to get to Atlanta on 85. If you're West on I-20, you're not getting to Atlanta on I-20. Sincerity means nothing if it's not true. And then preference. Back in Mark 16. And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. Verse 4. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. And they were afraid. And he said unto them, Do not be afraid. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, 
Listen, y'all understand I'm about to read the greatest thing that's ever happened. Y'all ready for this? I mean, for real. Wake up now. If you're going to sing, I exalt thee. If you're going to sing, there is a fountain. If you're going to sing, there's victory in Jesus and quote scripture. And get up early on a Sunday morning and go to Sunday school. Then this ought to make you want to shout. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. And stay here and build an obelisk over it. And fix a grotto and burn some candles and put flowers in great array. No. The angel said, go your way. And tell his disciples, and I love this, and Peter. I'm like, Peter really, I mean, it's like being number, number one ranked about the 10th tenth game of the season and getting beat by Georgia Tech. You're not going to be number one any longer. You're going to drop way down. Peter was right there. He was one of the inner circles. Now it was the disciples and Peter. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm in Peter. And tell Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said to you. And they went quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Church, you know what separates us from the Savior? Preference. A preference simply to unbelieve. We live in unbelief. You know why you're going to die and go to hell? It's not because you robbed somebody, killed somebody, lied, steal. All those are subsequent sins of the sinfulness of man. You will die and go to hell for unbelief. That you did not claim and accept the name of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confessing that you're a sinner and without help or hope in this world and the world to come. But then as believers, though we have believed in Him as Savior, listen, we become self-absorbed in our own carnality. One of the saddest testimonies of all the Bible is a missionary by the name of Demas. Demas went with Paul on a missionary journey. And as Paul wrote his letter to a certain church, when he came to the closing, when he would say, hey, remember Timothy, lift him up. Remember Epaphroditus. You remember Titus. You know, those don't, John Mark's very profitable to me. Here's what he said about Demas. Listen to me, because your middle name may be Demas. You started out right. You were saved. You were fired up. You went to camp and you were ready to storm hell with a water pistol. You were ready to tell the world there is no hope except for Jesus. You wanted to lead in silent prayer. You were so fired up. But now you've drifted away. Here is Demas. This is his testimony. Paul wrote, Demas has left me, for he loved this present world. 
I wrote a paper in seminary on the inner circle of Paul. And when it came to Demas, I wrote the glowing words of Ananias and, I mean, not Ananias and Sapphire, but Priscilla and Aquila. I wrote glowing words of John Mark where he'd went from desertion into being very profitable. I wrote about Titus and Epaphroditus and those others that he mentions. But when it came to Demas, I'll never forget these chilling words. Meade wrote, No, Paul, Demas had not forsaken you. Demas had forsaken Demas. We're cutting our own throat when we become so self-absorbed that we are no heavenly good to anyone else, including ourselves. But then in unbelief, because of our preference, too many are self-affirmed. I'm okay. You ask somebody. Here's, here's, here's the way it usually goes. You go to church? No, I don't, I don't go to church. Usually they say, well, I'm a member somewhere if they want you to go away. Because they know that the average Christian is not going to take any for Oh, good, as long as you go to church. Fact is, they went to church one time with their aunt when they were 10 years old, when they were there for a weekend 40 years ago. Or they went seven Easter's ago because their mother guilted them into it. That's their going to church. But if you press someone far enough, well, do you know where you're going to go when you die? It's either I hope so or I think so or, well, yeah. And then if you really push it, why do you believe that? Well, I've been a good person. I'm a good dad to provide for my family. That's great. But if you, and you hear me say this all the time, but... Church, I don't think we can say it enough because sometimes we convince ourselves somehow we please God. You can't be good enough. You can't give enough. You can't be baptized. You can be baptized in every denomination three times and not go to heaven. Church, there's only one way through the gate. And it's not going to be Peter standing at the door because he had to get in the same way you do through the blood of Jesus. But as believers, we, be, we become self-absorbed, but the lost are self-affirmed. I'm good. I'm sincere. I'm religious. I'm all these things. I, I do this and I do that and I'm a member of this club and we give to this. Listen, you can help every crippled kid in the world and die and go to hell. Are you self-affirmed today? Have you convinced yourself you're all right, but you know that you've never placed your faith, hope, trust, and life at the foot of the cross? Romans chapter 8 says this. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, 
who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And based on that, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We're as counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. That loves us. For I am persuaded, I am convinced, that neither life nor death, nor angels or principalities or powers or presence or position or pride or profit or politics or preference, nor things to come, nor height, depth, or any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to ask a special favor. Philip, can you and, Bron, uh, you and Milligan come and do what y'all just did? They kind of changed, not them, the Baptist hymnal changed it from the original writing. Just a couple words. Well, it's actually another hymn that says, As sinners such as I, but in the original writing of, of another hymn, he says, Of such a worm as I. Understanding how low we are apart from Jesus. But there is a fountain. There is a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And though vile in sin, just like the dying thief, we can plunge through his love and mercy beneath the flow that will set us free. What is separate? He said nothing can separate us. So then how? Because we allow ourselves to. Through unbelief, through rejection. Why continue to reject that? which loves you so. Stand with us. Listen, I want to urge you. Someone standing around you may need to come and any disruption may hinder the Spirit from working in their lives. Today, it is time for you to stop being Demas and being John Mark. It's time for you to stop being Peter the denier and Peter the preacher at Pentecost. It's time to stop being the religious crowd and start being the Jesus follower. What do you need to do? What do you need to say to the Lord that he will not hear? Come and plead the blood. Right now as they sing, come. Come to Jesus. No more separation. Fear, doubt, come.